Welcome to The GAC Files, a podcast about the people, issues, and ideas driving Global Affairs Canada. Bienvenue dans les dossiers d'AMC, un balado sur les personnes, les défis et les idées qui animent Affaires mondiales Canada. And now, introducing your host, Global Affairs Canada's David Morrison. Et maintenant, présentant votre hôte, David Morrison, d'Affaires mondiales Canada. Miriam Pignot-Letroy and Dina Alam are millennials who joined the department in January 2017 after completing internships at Canadian embassies abroad. Shortly after joining, they founded NextGen, a monthly brown bag lunch series for young professionals in the department. I recently sat down with Miriam and Dina to talk about their impressions of global affairs, their outlook as millennials, and where they would like to go with their careers and their lives. So today we're going to try something a little bit different on the GAC files. We're going to interview uh, two people, the dynamic duo of Dina Allam and Miriam Pignot-Latreuil. They met as graduate students at the University of Ottawa and both joined the department in January 2017, so about 18 months ago. Since joining, they have founded and are co-chairs of the Next Gen Youth Network, NextGen, hosts roughly monthly brown bag lunches uh, with, uh, with people from throughout the department and throughout town. So without further ado, welcome to Dina and Miriam. Thank you. Thank you. Um, now, as you know, because uh, I know you're frequent listeners, we, yes. we tend to start at the beginning. So why don't you each tell me where you're from and how you ended up uh, here at Global Affairs. Start with Dina. Um, sure. So uh, I was born and raised in Toronto. My parents uh, came to Canada in the 80s from Egypt. And, Why? Uh, Why did they come? Um, the economic situation in Egypt wasn't so great. Um, they had done grad school in the States, but they weren't able to get uh, to immigrate there. So they came to Canada. Mm. Um, and so um, you have, I... You have siblings that came? No, I'm an only child. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was born and raised in Toronto. I did French immersion there. Um, and then I did my undergrad at the University of Toronto in French literature and political science. Um, and then after that, I didn't really know what to do with my life. So I came to Ottawa for mm. grad school. Um, and that's kind of how I got my foot in the door here in the department. Good. And Miriam? Um, I was born and raised in Montreal. All right. Did my undergrad in international and in uh, policy and international law. Par la suite, mon nom plus, je ne sais pas quoi faire de ma vie, ça fait que je suis allée à Ottawa. Et en fait, j'ai eu un stage sur la colline parlementaire, puis j'ai finalement travaillé là pendant deux ans en politique un peu, sur les dossiers de réforme électorale. Puis là, finalement, j'ai réalisé que la politique n'était pas pour moi. fait que là, je suis retournée à l'école pour justement faire une maîtrise en affaires publiques et internationales. Et c'est là que j'ai rencontré Dina. Pour ouais. finalement aboutir ici. <rire> Et tous les deux avaient l'occasion, je crois, d'avoir les, les stages aux ambassades canadiennes. Myriam, c'était où? Oui, moi j'ai eu un stage justement d'environ 4-5 mois euh, à l'ambassade du Canada à Hanoï, au Vietnam. Ah, ok. Euh, c'était quand? Ah, c'était peut-être juste avant que j'arrive au département. Okay. Ça fait peut-être deux ans environ. Ok. Et... Tu faisais quoi? 
tout à fait quoi. Euh... En fait, ça a été un bon timing, parce que, puis en même temps, un, un mauvais timing, mais ça a donné <rire> que euh, j'étais supposée faire du travail plus de FBDS, mais finalement, la, ma superviseure est tombée malade. Et donc, j'ai fini par me promener un peu entre du trade work, development work et FPDS. Puis j'ai vraiment adoré ça, parce que ça m'a donné l'occasion, dans le fond, de goûter un peu à tout ouais. et de voir c'est quoi la big picture, en fait, euh, du travail en ambassade. OK. Et Dina, tu étais euh, au Latvia, je crois. Oui, euh, j'ai fait mon stage à l'ambassade en Lettonie. Et donc, euh, l'ambassade, ça couvre Lettonie, Lituanie et Estonie. Ah, okay, okay. Um, puis, c'était une petite ambassade. Donc, on était, je pense, 11, um, en incluant le, le chauffeur de l'ambassadeur. <rire> et il euh, y avait seulement l'ambassadeur qui était un CBS. Donc, euh, c'était un environnement mm. très intéressant. Mm. And those, those internships came about because you were co-ops students. Is that right? That was part of the deal or part of the, or it was at least something that was available to you? I um, mean, how, how do you, if you're a young person, how do you get to work in a Canadian embassy? It was part of our uh, program. Program, yeah. So it, the university have contact with different embassy, embassies and that's how we yeah. got it. Um, like, I think since 2011, the University of Ottawa, like our master's program in particular, has been sending grad students to embassies. Um, and it was kind of a network that they built up uh, through one of their senior fellows, uh, Dan Livermore, who used to work sure, for the department. Sure. So he just kind of hit up his friends and was like, hi, do you want an intern? And, and, and did, it, did everybody in your class do this? No, no, we go through like two interviews. And then, yeah, that's how and, you get paid. And, and do, we, <laughs> do we pay you? No. No. Yeah, so they're un unpaid <laughs> don't, internships. Don't, don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I, I know that's a whole... Uh, a that's whole, a whole uh, other story. whole can of worms that will yeah. devote, <laughs> devote a whole podcast to that one. Um, so, so then was it sort of natural that you would you would then get recruited into the apartment? Or how, how did you... Did you make calls? Did you... How did you come out of university and then step into this building. Do you want to start? Um, okay, yeah. So, I mean, I think it kind of depends on your embassy experience. I know some friends who got into the department based on the contacts they made on their embassy um, internships. Mine was a little bit different because there was only one CBS and he was, I believe he's retiring now. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it was like, I mean, very useful, but not in terms of furthering my career through networking. Um, and so basically, I was in the co-op program. And so when you're a co-op student in Ottawa, the really only people who are hiring are government. So I kind of focused my attentions on global affairs postings. And that's kind of how I... And are the, are the postings on the website? Or do you cold call people? Or how do you... Um, it's through the co-op office. I see. Okay. So yeah. there's sort of a placement service. I did both. I did a bit of both. Yeah. But my cold calling didn't <laughs> didn't work at all, okay. so I had to go through the university. So what's the you you guys come in and you have this embassy experience, and I don't know, you sit in the cafeteria or you sit at tavern on the falls after work, and, and what do you talk about? What do you make of this place as as <laughs> as as newcomers? It's, it's funny because actually yesterday we. We made a kind of a mental list of like all the excitement that you get on your first month in this department. Right. So like 
the difference between the horizontal badge and the vertical badge. <laughs> That's really a big deal for us. It is. When we got our horizontal badges that didn't say what division we worked for, like, we what, hit the, a whole new what's tier. What's the, you're speaking a language that most of us don't understand. What, what, what's so, the difference between a horizontal badge and a vertical badge? So when you're a student, you have a vertical badge and it says your division because that's what you, that's the that's, division that's that you That's what you for. belong to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then once you get on like a casual or a term, you get that horizontal badge <laughs> with like a longer expiry awesome. date usually. Yeah, so you know you're the big deal. Yeah, yeah like you're, you're part of the game. It's very exciting. Okay, I will have to keep my eyes um, so you both became horizontal badgers, and, and um, I mean, we talked about this briefly before we before we went on. But your your impetus to do the internships and to come here is really driven. You were saying by uh, your desire to work in international affairs, but also your desire to. Uh, be posted abroad or work abroad for Canada. How do you make the leap? Because you've you've come in via co-op program, so you're basically walk-ins uh, rather than the route that many people listening will have taken, which is the Canadian Foreign Service exam or the post-secondary recruitment. So you're a PM, I think, Miriam. Yeah. And and Dina, um, you're a EC in an FS box. So (laughs) how do you see the future and getting posted abroad from where you currently sit? I don't know. I know it's going to be a a boring answer, but it's it's kind of hard for at least myself to see what is my future in this department just because. Like I concentrate for the next month, right? And like, what? Where am I? How long is your contract? It's always like going from a year to another year. So like my contract and yeah, in late (laughs) August. (laughs) Anyway, so I guess it's just like my focus only. Like I don't know where I'm gonna be in two years, right? Right. But I would love to stay here. That's not. But then it's very difficult to say like where would like where would I like to be posted or like sure, sure. It's yeah. And I mean, being terms also just where would I like to be posted is not a question we can ask right. ourselves because we can't be posted. Yeah. You, you would rather like be able to pay your rent by the end of August. <laughs> we can be that demand. Yeah. I mean, food. <laughs> we would like to be posted, yeah. but we can't. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, this will be the subject of, of, a, of a different podcast, but I mean, we, we do hope to the department hopes to be in the financial position to be able to um, uh, begin again offering indeterminate contracts. How how that will work is is something that was was partly the subject of a recent uh, retreat that we had on human resources issues and and you know one of the one of the subjects that was debated frankly was uh, you know whether it was possible or advisable to go back to a national recruitment as a way of, of ensuring that our workforce um, is representative of all the various bits of Canada geographically as well as the uh, cultural and other kinds of, of diversity. So anyhow, that, there'll be more news on that, I hope, in, in, in coming months. Let's, let's switch uh, gears a little bit. Um, you are, uh, I believe, known as millennials. Um, <laughs> and, oh, no. <laughs> and, 
right here in the wild, not in captivity. So, so <laughs> now, now that I have you in, in front of me, I, I, I would like to ask about uh, whether, you know, whether you identify uh, that way, whether you think your outlook on career or on life is any different than your parents, for example, or older people you see in this, in this building. You know, the caricature is that you are all entitled snowflakes that expect, um, you know, to have constant career enrichment and be able to jump back and forth and not pay your dues and so on. And what, what, do, you, what do you make of that characterization? No, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> sure. How have you been received here? Uh, um, really well. I feel... Um, Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> you, you can go back and just yes. talk about being a, a millennial. Um, I don't know how much we're different from the past um, youth generation. Je pense que ça reste que quand même, on est le résultat peut-être du contexte actuel. Ça reste qu'il y a quand même beaucoup d'instabilité pour le futur et pour le nôtre. On est au courant que, pas juste à GAC, mais à l'extérieur aussi du ministère, il y a beaucoup d'instabilité, puis... Ça reste aussi qu'on a grandi, c'est très cliché, mais avec toute cette technologie-là qui fait en ouais. sorte qu'on est justement... On a une ouverture sur le monde que peut-être nos parents n'avaient justement pas. On a ouais. plus voyagé, on a peut-être plus mangé ouais. <rire> de la bouffe de différents pays parce que justement, il y a comme cette espèce de ouais. globalisation qui a... Et personnellement, tu as pris... Tu as fait des, des stages ou tu as, as fait des études en, en Afrique du Sud. Oui. Euh, où? Euh, Toutes les places euh, fait que, euh, en fait, c'était après mon secondaire. Ouais. Je trouvais que mon niveau d'anglais était justement pas très bon. Puis là, je ouais. m'étais dit, il faut que j'améliore mon anglais. Puis là, j'ai décidé qu'à la place d'aller euh, en Ontario, j'irais en, en Afrique du Sud pour ouais. euh, améliorer ouais. mon anglais. Et c'est ça, j'y ai passé un an là-bas dans une famille d'accueil à Johannesburg. Puis j'allais à l'école avec okay. d'autres étudiants. Mais génération Right? Technology has made the world smaller, and the cost of travel is much less. Mm -hmm. So it is entirely normal for people your age, and I I won't reveal exact ages, but one of my <laughs> one, one of my guests is under twenty five, and one of them is under thirty. <laughs> oh God! Um, Very diplomatic. <laughs> but know. but it is it is true that people that now walk into this building already tend to have lots of international experience. And that mm -hmm. is a thing that characterizes millennials, I would say. What about you, Dina? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that millennial is just so often used as like almost a derogatory term. Mm. It's associated with the snowflake um, business you alluded to earlier. Um, and I think that um, how we've been received in the department really depends on some people. People have been super welcoming. They really welcome our enthusiasm um, and our passion and recognize that we're here because we want to be here and we're putting up with instability because we are passionate about international affairs. But there are places and people who think that, you know, we don't have experience or we need to wait or we don't, like our opinions aren't necessarily as valid. And so I think it's really been a mixed bag. Mm. Um, and I think that um, some people, you know, take risks and give the young people opportunities um, like my manager has done. But uh, in other cases, that's just not what happens. And you have young people writing dockets when they could be doing a lot more. Right. Um, you both arrived and you instantly or 
rapidly decided to fill a niche by creating this thing called NextGen. Talk to me about that. Okay, en fait, ça a commencé peut-être quelques mois après qu'on est justement arrivé au ministère. On voyait tous ces jeunes-là qui avaient cette drive-là, qui prenaient des cafés, puis qui faisaient du network à la cafétéria, puis deny moi, on est juste vraiment pas comme ça. <rire> fait qu'on était comme, on est sûrement pas les seuls jeunes qui avaient un peu peur, <rire> puis qui aimeraient quand même entendre ouais. parler, puis ouais, ouais. justement euh, le senior management, puis entendre parler de leurs expériences, puis avoir des conseils. Fait qu'on s'est dit, let's all get together, puis créons justement cette espèce de safe space où on peut mm. parler avec des personnes avec qui, généralement, on n'aurait pas une conversation, justement. Ouais. Et euh, as invité, je crois, John Hannaford et des autres. Qui? Oui. OK. Fait qu'on a eu environ jusqu'à 15 brown bag lunch. Puis c'est ça. On a eu... Notre premier invité était John Hannaford. Il était mon professeur à l'époque quand j'étais à l'Université ouais. d'Ottawa. Ouais. Fait que je me disais que c'était une bonne occasion de le présenter au reste du <rire> Mais sinon, on a eu euh, Tarek Khan, on a eu euh, Marcy Grossman. Euh, Larissa Galazza. Tamara Mawaini. Um, ouais. So many of On a fait différentes thématiques aussi. Des fois, on a fait comme justement un panel de comme uh, Women in Power. On en a fait un autre justement, mm. commencer à travailler dans un bureau de DM. Ça fait qu'on a eu ouais. Yannick Lamonde qui est venu okay. nous parler de okay. ça. Oui. Um, ouais. OK. Et dans. Who's the audience? Euh. I mean, I, I know I see the bills, so you advertise them, but is it, is it mainly young professionals? Je dirais des jeunes qui sont moins de 25 ans ou moins de 30 ans. You listeners can't see it, but one of the two is blushing. C'est ça, casual, étudiant, term. Il y a du monde déterminé, du monde indéterminé. On a aussi des personnes qui sont jeunes de cœur, mais qui sont un peu plus vieux. Je pense qu'en fait, c'est du monde curieux. Puis c'est ça aussi qui caractérise beaucoup les millennials à GAC, c'est qu'on est très avide de tout savoir puis tout connaître. Ça fait que généralement, on a une audience d'environ 60 personnes ou plus. Le dernier Brown Bag Lunch qu'on a eu, c'était avec Francis Trudel, qui était. Ouais. On était au-dessus de 100 personnes. Dina, I want to shift gears now and sure. talk to you a little bit about your identity. You are a visible minority. You're uh, a woman. Mm -hmm. You were, um, I think, uh, former secretary of the Visible, visible Minorities uh, Network. Yeah. How has that, how is, have those aspects of your identity shaped your interest in Uh, world affairs and Canadian foreign policy, and your role so far at Global Affairs. Um, okay. Uh, so, good luck. <laughs> um, you can chip in. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm just going to watch her. <laughs> well, I think, like, um, growing up in Toronto to immigrant parents in, like, a, an area where everybody's parents were immigrant parents. Um, like where, my where in Toronto? Um, in North York. Yeah. Like my kindergarten class was translated into Cantonese and Mandarin. There were about five of us that spoke English. So like that's kind of the environment I grew up in. All my friends are from all over the world. So I think it's always just been something that I'm interested in. Being in contact with people from different cultures is just like a huge part of who I am. And like being Egyptian is also a huge part of who I am. 
Um, and so it sort of drove that interest to like help shape what Canada looks like and to shape a Canada that looks like what I grew up in. And so I think when I moved to Ottawa, it was really kind of surprising to me how <laughs> different um, our capital city is from right. what I was used to. And it's really interesting because working in the embassy, you know, we promote this uh, vision of Canada abroad as like a big multicultural place. And that's how I experienced it. But coming here, that's not the case. And coming to GAC yeah. was really surprising to me. Well, be a little bit more specific. What was, I mean, was it sort of classically male Anglo? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. like white He's, male he... Anglo, if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> It's going to no, be edited. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to get no, this. We'll, is going to be cut we'll, out. We'll, we'll leave that part in. Uh, um, but anyhow, that was your that was your sense of the town and and the building. You're and saying. the building, yeah. yeah. Like it was surprising to me that something that like a building that is dedicated to international affairs just didn't look very international when you're walking down the halls. Um, so that that was a big surprise to me, if I'm completely honest. And I think that's kind of what drove me to start getting involved in the visible mi minority community that mm -hmm. does exist here because we are here. Um, and sort of see how we can amplify our voice and see the issues that are facing the community and see why we're not represented so much up the management chain. And um, yeah, so it was just kind of something that really interested yeah. me. Mm -hmm. Well, you're as a as a white male Anglo, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're to be, you know, congratulated because um, my sense is that the people I interact with at a senior level are all, um, you know, genuinely committed to creating the mm -hmm. kind of department um, that is more in keeping with your uh, experience uh, as, a, as a Canadian. Um, but we all have blind spots, and so um, I do know how valuable the deputies found it when the co-chairs of the LGBTQ2 plus network came around and told us about their reality in the department mm -hmm. and the challenges that the community they represent uh, were facing and what they were doing about it, and so the... These networks, the women's network, has been uh, very valuable and vocal on on uh, a series of issues that the department is facing. I, I can't speak for my deputy minister colleagues, but our our jobs, in a certain sense, are to try to take the best decisions possible, and we can't do that unless we have full information. And I find that the networks in this house are helping to provide that uh, full information that we can then use to, to, to try to take the best decisions possible for the department. So well done on, on your role in the Visible Minorities Network. Um, so I want to, again, shift gears a little bit and, and pick up on this notion of, um, of uncertainty, which, as, as you both said, is not... Uh, necessarily unique to this department. The days of people leaving school and stepping into a place that offered lifetime employment and actually staying for a lifetime are, are probably long gone. And people like yourselves uh, can look forward to having two or three or more careers in a, in a lifetime. Um, 
if you both want to stay in the department, I hope the department can uh, accommodate that and offer you the kind of careers that uh, our, many of our listeners have had. But if, if that doesn't work out for whatever reason, what other things are you considering doing given your, given your mutual interests in international affairs? Je dirais que ça dépend des journées. Some mornings, <laughs> I wake up, I'm like, I'm just going to, like, open a bakery and just, like, sell bread and cake. I do get these text messages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mais euh, sinon, plus sérieusement, euh, c'est sûr que le côté international, je veux le maintenir dans ma carrière plus tard. Ça fait que si c'est pas justement mon ministère que c'est possible de l'atteindre, ben à ce moment-là, est-ce que ça serait dans une organisation internationale? Puis c'est sûr que... C'est ça aussi qui est un peu angoissant, c'est qu'il y a énormément de possibilités, puis il y a tellement de différentes organisations et de structures partout, que c'est comme... Oui, les ONG, les ouais. Nations Unies... Exactement. Ouais, ouais. Ça fait que... J'imagine à explorer, puis donc c'est pour ça que ça crée des fois des, certaines crises d'angoisse, parce qu'il y, y, y a à la fois, il y a comme pas de choix et trop de choix. Ça fait ouais, que... Ouais, ouais. Mais c'est sûr que c'est ça. Volet international, très important pour moi, puis avoir un impact. C'est à la fois comme dans l'organisation où je suis, mais aussi... Dans le monde, je sais que c'est ouais. peut très cliché, peut-être aussi mais, très... Euh, mais, ouais. mais il faut avoir ces objectifs. And, well, Dina, and, and then... Um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of... For me, it's, it's very similar to Miriam. Like, I really want to have the capacity to have an impact on the world, to shape the world that we're going to live in. And I just... Uh, I don't really know what direction that's yeah. going to take. Um, definitely internationally, it would be very interesting. Um, I also just, I'm a huge nerd and I really loved school and I'm probably going to go back to school. Mm. Um, every once in a while I get into these tizzies where I start looking up like PhD programs and then I talk <laughs> myself off the ledge because um, I want to have a little bit more experience before yeah. I go back into school. But um, yeah, I think it'll definitely be a, an interesting ride, but I don't really mm. try to plan anymore because I realize that I can't really sure. plan. Mm -hmm. So, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think that what you're saying is terribly different than how people in previous generations might yeah. have experienced things. I mean, I think there's <laughs> all... <a> really... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we all sort of have to deal with the cards that we've been dealt. But I, I, I do think that the kind of existential crisis about bakery or not bakery or <laughs> foreign affairs are, are things that some of us go through very regularly. I would encourage you to talk to other colleagues, maybe colleagues a little older, to see if they, if their careers and their thought processes are as linear as it may seem from the outside. I, I would wager the answer is, <laughs> is, uh, is no. Um, uh, yeah, actually, through NextGen, it's been a great opportunity to listen to these advice or like different path. Like we've had the people telling us like, yeah, exactly. There's not just one path and you can like, We had Peter McGovern who told us you should build your career in your own terms. So we've like got these bits of advices, mm. from little tidbits, and yeah. it's really like awesome to hear someone like John Hannaford say he didn't really know what he was doing either, and he was stressed about a lot of the time. It's kind of reassuring. It's yeah. everybody feels like that. I I can assure you, John and I have talked um, about how we took the decisions that we took and. John has, I should have let him tell us, but he has a great anecdote of spending a summer 
driving a beer truck in Muskoka and frankly being really bad at it. And so what he, what he realized was that he should do what he was good at, which is stay in school. And, and uh, that was obviously a good, a good choice. I, I was a carpenter and I wasn't very good. So I, I quickly learned to, to focus on what I liked and, and what, I was, what I was good at. One of the things that foreign affairs uh, has tended to offer over the years, or global affairs now, is the opportunity to change jobs. Yeah. Right? Rather than be in the same job for for decades, you can uh, you know work in the same field, but work uh, in different countries in different capacities. Mais yeah. même à ça, nous, c'est drôle parce qu'on en parlait justement l'autre jour. À quel point all the fields kind of also appeal to us kind of a way you know parce que les jeunes justement on, on saute de term en term ce qui fait en sorte que des fois on va se retrouver dans un term en tra trade un term dans le développement un term en policy puis ça fait en sorte que on est vraiment peut-être le produit de l'amalgation dans le sens que yeah. moi je suis prête à avoir une carrière peut-être autant en trade qu'en développement ouais, qu'en ouais. policy puis il y a plus on, a, on pense pas comme du monde de développement ou comme du monde de ouais, ouais. en tout cas ça fait que ouais c'était juste même Well, that's a little a, play. <laughs> but I think it's like a serious consideration, right? Like we're in here and we're being, in, we're existing in a department that's already integrated. So we mm -hmm. don't have this sort of like chunked out mentality. Um, and a lot of the time you'll like, I'll read things and I'll be like, well, why isn't there like a dev angle in this, right. in this FPDS kind of piece? So. Uh, mm -hmm. We should make you the poster children. For, yes, for, yes, exactly. That's where we want this conversation <laughs> to go. <laughs> I mean, there's always going to be a tension between, and, there, and this played out at our recent retreat on human resources, but mm -hmm. the tension is between the need for specialists in a, in a world that increasingly demands specialists. Think mm -hmm. of trade negotiators or people that um, are comfortable and excel at working with companies, different skill set than working with governments. Think of arms control, think of health in the development field where the technical expertise is required. But then think of being at an embassy where in some cases you have to, in the same day, yeah. do some yeah. development, do some trade, do some, uh, do some foreign policy. So we'll never solve that one i think the challenge is getting in the workforce is getting the balance uh the balance about right um well listen thank you for uh for coming by the gag files um thank you for having us yeah, uh, thanks for the we, we 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 sit around often and and we sort of say well I don't know, what would the millennials think or what would young people think? So, so the, again, the... Are you disappointing? <laughs> <laughs> this is how we think. <laughs> we get really excited when we take the elevator to the floor. Yeah. That's how millennials think. <laughs> we got excited by your own bathroom. Yes, yeah. yeah, we had a, we had a uh, pre-visit yesterday to check things out. So, uh, sincerely, merci beaucoup pour, uh, pour être venu et uh, bonne chance. Merci. Okay. We hope you enjoyed today's discussion. If you have feedback or suggestions for future topics or guest speakers, please send David an email. Nous espérons que vous avez apprécié la discussion d'aujourd'hui. Si vous avez des commentaires ou des suggestions concernant de sujets futurs ou de nouveaux conférenciers, veuillez envoyer un courriel à David. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of The GAC Files. Merci d'avoir écouté le balado 
et nous espérons que vous vous joindrez à nous pour le prochain épisode des Dossiers d'AMC.